Our parasha begins with the laws of Shemitah, and we wonder why it is that the laws of Shemitah have to, have to be told to us, Behar Sinai, which Rashi addresses. And he says that the, why is there a connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai? To teach you that just like Shemitah was given with all of its details at Sinai, so were all other mitzvahs. Now, on the face of it, he's telling us exactly what the Torah's Kohanim says, and it would appear that the question that's bothering Rashi is... We don't have to have the words Bahar Sinai over here with regards to Shemitah because we know that these mitzvahs are not really taught to us later on in the Torah. So it's quite obvious that they were taught at this point. Must be then to reflect on other mitzvahs as well. The question is this. Surely Rashi appears to be asking the same question as the Torah as What is the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai? And surely it would appear that Rashi wants to go with the view of Rabbi Akiva in the Gemara and not Rabbi Yishmoel, that all of the details of every single mitzvah were given at Har Sinai, as opposed to Rabbi Yishmoel who says, the general principles were taught at Har Sinai and the details were spelled out later in the Oihel Moyed. The only thing is this, that if you look at the structure and language that Rashi uses, it appears that that's not really what's bothering Rashi. What seems to be bothering him is just the words Bahar Sinai. And we need to understand why. And in doing so, we'll come to appreciate that actually what's on Rashi's mind is why the emphasis on the location, which is not necessarily the mountain itself, and you'll see that from the change that Rashi makes. He starts off speaking about Har Sinai, then he speaks about Sinai generally. And in fact, what Rashi is trying to tell us is that, not like some of the other commentaries, that this particular piece of, of Torah is out of order, but rather he's telling us that there's a Pshat interpretation which could both accommodate Rabbi Shmuel and accommodate Rabbi Akiva's opinions, and that all hinges on the idea of the mitzvahs being given to the Jewish people in the vicinity of Sinai. We're also going to do an analysis of a spiritual difference in approach between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiba, which is quite fascinating and gives us two different approaches, generally speaking, in Yiddishkeit. Right at the beginning of our parasha, quoting the two words, Behar Sinai, Rashi comments, The question, as in the Torah's Kohanim, what is the specific connection between Shmita and Har Sinai? Were all mitzvahs not given at Har Sinai? And he explains, Just like every single detailed nuance of Shemitah was explained at Sinai, Likewise, every single mitzvah was given not only in its broader sense, but with all its details, Dafka at Sinai. So in other words, what Rashi is telling us is that the fact that the Pasuk chose when it comes to Shemitah to spell out Har Sinai, even though all mitzvahs are given at Sinai, In other words, the fact that the Torah emphasized by Shemitah the location of Har Sinai is to teach us about all mitzvahs, that all mitzvahs were given with every single detail at Sinai. Now comes the part of Rashi, which would appear perhaps to be unnecessary. He explains that this that he's just explained comes from Torah's Kehanim. And then he goes further. It appears that this is the explanation of what the Torah's Kehanim is saying. Why is he explaining the Torah's Kehanim? Rashi is there to explain the Pshat of the Pasuk. So as we'll see in a moment, this implies that you may have read the Torah's Kehanim differently and come out with a different explanation, which would not suit the Pshat. Anyhow, so what does Rashi say? Because what we notice is that the halacha of Shemitah and how it affects the land is not repeated when Moshe recaps the Torah before the Yidden enter Eretz Yisrael. 
So therefore, So therefore, it's obvious if it's not explained later, all the details had to have been explained now at Sinai. So therefore, it implies to us that everything that was told to Moshe, also unusual language, we're going to have to analyze, was all told at Sinai with all of its details. So on the face of it, what's Rashi telling us? Rashi is coming to answer this question. Everybody knows that every mitzvah was given at Har Sinai. But when you think about it, you imagine that the headlines of every mitzvah, the general principles, were given at Sinai. So the fact that the details were also taught at Har Sinai, we don't know that obviously. We need somehow to discover proof for that in the Torah. So says Rashi, that detail, that all of the protim of every single mitzvah were also expounded at Sinai, that we will derive from how the Torah tells us about Shemitah. Okay, so what's Rashi saying? We all know that the general mitzvahs are given at Sinai. We don't know that the details were also given at Sinai. We derive that from Shemitah. If that's the case, I will kosher. Then it's difficult. What is so compelling about the story of Shemitah being given at Sinai that we automatically understand it must be teaching about every other mitzvah? Why? Who says? Maybe it's just talking about Shemitah. The Torah is only addressing the mitzvah of Shemitah. So what pushes us to be so convinced that, yes, I know it's talking about Shemitah, but really it's talking about everything. How do you know that? Where do you get that from? That's what Rashi has to explain. Because we know for a fact that Shemitah, in all its detail, is not repeated later on in Chumash Devarim, so therefore, So then, even if the Torah had not said here, Bahar Sinai, we would know that all the information was given at Har Sinai because it's not given later on. So there's only two choices. Either the details were given at Har Sinai or they were given in Arbo Ismoyab. The Torah doesn't say it in Arbo Ismoyab, must be that it was given at Sinai. So you don't have to say the words Bahar Sinai. They're self-evident. So that's what Rashi says, that straight away what should bother you is, why do we need the words Behar Sinai over here in this particular case? So therefore, Rashi says, it has to be that the words Bahar Sinai are extra to take our attention elsewhere. So we realize, Bahar Sinai, which is obvious in the case of Shemitah, is there to teach us that every other mitzvah is like Shemitah. Just like Shemitah, all of the details were given in Har Sinai, which we know, obviously. Likewise, every other mitzvah was also given in all its details at Shemitah. So now it would appear that two things emerge from this. And many of the Mephoshim say this. Two things emerge as what Rashi is trying to tell us. Number one, it emerges. It would appear that Rashi's question is identical to the question in the Torah's Kohanim, which is, 
Why does the Torah have to tell us that Shemitah was at Har Sinai? So it would seem Rashi saying verbatim what the Torah's Kadim has asked. Bez, secondly, what emerges from this is that the fact that Rashi, like the Torah's Kahanim, is telling us that all mitzvahs were given with all of their details at Har Sinai. That would seem to exclude the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel and Gemara Chagiga and Soita. Now, Rabbi Shmuel says that only the general principles of every mitzvah were actually told at Har Sinai, and the details were shared in the Oihel Moed to Moshe later. Whereas it would appear that Rashi is endorsing it would appear that Rashi endorses Rabbi Akiva's opinion, which is that every single detail of every single mitzvah was given at Sinai. So two things, right? Rashi is asking the same question as Teres Kahanim, and he's giving an answer that supports Rabbi Akiva's view that every detail of every mitzvah was given at, at Sinai. The only thing is, we're going to have four questions on this theory. If that's the case, we need to understand. Firstly, the most glaring question. Why does Rashi, in his Dibur HaMaschil, not even allude to the word Shemitah? If your whole question is like the question of the Torah's Kahanim, what's the link between Shemitah and Har Sinai, at least give us some hint towards that in your Dibra Maschil. That's what Rashi usually does. He tells us which words he's describing. Because Rashi's question is all about how come Har Sinai is the language used with regards to Shemitah, so Rashi in his Dibra Maskel should not have only used the words Bahar Sinai, should have borrowed some words from the next Pasuk, which tell us his main concern, the Shemitah connection. And that's when Apostle Kashenish and Medabori the Shemitah and if he wasn't going to take words out of the next Pasuk, at least put for Goymer and etc., which makes you wonder that there's got to be more to the story. If the question Rashi is asking is the same question as the Torah's Kahanim, then the question is not specific to the words Bahar Sinai, but the question is why are these words used with regards to Shmita? Rashi doesn't allude to that at all. So at this point, we should start second guessing ourselves. Maybe that's actually not Rashi's question. The second and third questions are kind of related. Base. We've also just said Rashi is looking to endorse the opinion of Rabbi Akiva and not Rabbi Yishmoel. So what did Rabbi Yishmoel say that the details were given in Oihel Moyed? So then how come Rashi builds his argument on the fact that the details are not repeated? Much later. Mitzvahs were taught in Oihel Moyed shortly after Har Sinai. Our voice Moyav is 40 years later. Just less. So, how come? The fact that Rashi quotes that these things were not repeated in Arvois Moyav does not clearly show that he's disagreeing with Rabbi Ishmael's opinion because he's not clearly excluding Oihel Moyed. At the very least, Rashi should have given both references. So we were convinced that Rashi wanted to show he doesn't believe Rabbi Shmuel's opinion is correct according to Pshat, but his wording doesn't indicate that he's dafka excluding Rabbi Yishmael, which leads us to the second que- to the third question. At the end of the Rashi, Rashi says that those details that had been given at Sinai were then repeated by Arvos Moyab. Why are you saying Arvos Moyab? 
wasn't the whole debate whether the details were given at Sinai or in Oyel Moed. So Rashi should have said that they were repeated at Oyel Moed. So we were convinced that Rashi is Dafka siding with Rabbi Akiva and showing that Rabbi Shmuel does not fit the Pshat. Maybe that's not true. Maybe he's not spe- specifying that Rabbi Akiva is correct and Rabbi Shmuel not so. So we have to wonder about that. And then we have to just wonder why Rashi gave such a, a protracted explanation after he quoted the Toyos Kehanim. Rashi goes to the whole thing, he says, so it appears to me that what the Torah's Kohanim means is that we don't find that it was explained later on, so it must be that it was that all the details were given here. Rashi's job is not to explain Torah's Kohanim, Rashi's job is to explain Pshat. This is so unusual to say, and this appears to me the explanation of the Torah So therefore, if Rashi does that, you have no choice but to say, it's because you may have understood the Torah differently, and that wouldn't have fitted the Pshat. So, it must be Rashi's alluding to the fact that there's an alternative to how you'd interpret the Torah which Rashi does not want to quote. Because if you go with the other reading of the Torah's Kohanim, it won't fit Pshat. Rashi's objective is Pshat. Therefore, Rashi has to spell out and say, This is how I believe you have to understand the Torah's Kohanim. I know. In other words, Rashi is emphasizing that in his reading of the Torah's Kohanim, the Torah's Kohanim is relevant specifically to Pshat. So in that case, we have to think, We have to wonder, what is the alternative reading of the Torah's Kahanim that we may have followed, which may have not fitted the Pshat? Okay, so what have we got? We've got Rashi asking, what's the link between Shemitah and Har Sinai? And then explaining that, look, the truth is, we don't need the words Bahar Sinai with regards to Shemitah, because Shemitah is not explained later on in Arbus Moyev, so it's obviously that the details were given at Har Sinai. Oh, so it must be talking about the fact that all mitzvahs were given with all of their details at Har Sinai. From where we assumed that Rashi had the same question as the Torah's Kahanim, what's the Shemitah Har Sinai link? And we assumed that Rashi was saying that he endorses Rabbi Akiva's view as opposed to Rabbi Shmuel's, because Rabbi Shmuel says everything was repeated in Oyel Moyed. We said, if that's the case, how come Rashi doesn't allude to the fact that Shemitah bothers him in his Dibra HaMaschil? How come in two places does he make the comparison to Arvois Moyav and not to Oyel Moyed, which is Rabbi Shmuel's opinion? And why does he feel the need to interpret what the Teras Kahanim means, obviously implying that there's another way you could have understood the Teras Kahanim, which is different to ours? We're also going to look at two nuances in the language of Rashi. There are many nuances. The Rebbe is going to focus on two Umehem. Aleph, this is really curious. At the beginning, Rashi says, What's the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai? And then for the rest of his, uh, of his commentary, he drops the word Har. Why does Rashi drop the word Har later on in the rest of his parish? Bayes, Second of all, in what Rashi says, he writes, that the pastor comes to teach us that every single expression regarding a mitzvah all came from Har Sinai. And then, 
He says that every expression of instruction that was given to Moshe, why do you need to tell me that? Who else? Who else was given instructions to tell the Jewish people about mitzvahs? Especially when you consider that Rashi is quoting the Torah's Kohanim, and there it doesn't specify mitzvahs which were told to Moshe. Okay, so we have a number of questions on Rashi, and therefore we're going to come to the conclusion that what bothers Rashi is not actually the link specifically between Shvita and Har Sinai. The first thing that bothers him is the words Behar Sinai. What bothers Rashi is not the link. Why is Shmita singled out as, as having been taught at Har Sinai? What's bothering Rashi are the actual words Behar Sinai. Even before we know which mitzvah it refers to, why suddenly we're talking about Behar Sinai? Do you know where we are? We're all the way at the end of Sefer Vayikra. Now you're suddenly talking about something Behar Sinai? You know, there's been a lot in between that wasn't associated specifically with Har Sinai. In fact, the only reason Rashi is quoting the Torah's Kahanim and the Torah's Kahanim's question about Shemitah linked to Har Sinai is because that will help us to understand our fundamental question. The Torah's Kahanim is a secondary question why Shemitah of all mitzvahs is associated with Har Sinai. Our fundamental question is over here now you're talking about Har Sinai. This is obvious. From when the Mishkan was built, Hashem no longer spoke to Moshe from Har Sinai. He spoke to him from the Mishka. Rashi has told us clearly in Parshas Kisisa, from when, the Mish, uh, from when the Mishkan went up, the only place that Hashem ever spoke to Moshe was Oihel Moed. Now suddenly you're telling me Behar Sinai? Now suddenly you talk about Har Sinai. Don't you remember this is the end of Pashas of Chumash Vayikra? The beginning of Chumash Vayikra said that Hashem speaks to Moshe. Why suddenly the reference to Bahar Sinai? So there is an explanation of the Eben Ezra, which is a real stretch in Pshat to say it's not chronological. So maybe we could stretch an answer and say, actually, the halachas of Shemitah were told before the Mishkan was even put up, before the whole of Chumash Vayikra up until this point. And the only reason it's written here is because Torah does not have to be chronological, and this is the argument of the Eben Ezra. But this is really not clear, certainly according to Pshat, Kavan, The only time that we invoke that principle that Torah does not have to be chronological is when we really need that explanation because we have no other way to explain something. And we even have a, some reason to say that it should be not chron- chronological. The truth is that under usual circumstances, we rarely want to keep the Torah as chronological, and this is too much of a stretch. So we're back to our question, why now, after all the communications that happened, do we suddenly have a communication that is told to us, Behar Sinai?
We're also not going to explain the same way that the Ramban does, which is to say it's all got to do with where we are placing this parasha in context of what happened just before. So the Ramban explains that all of the details of Shemitah were told to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. Okay, so why is it here now? Why is it now told at this point? So the Ramban says because even though the information had been given to Moshe Rabbeinu long ago, he only conveyed it to the Jewish people now, after what Parashas Emer concluded with, which was the horrible story of this, this person who cursed Hashem. So it's pretty clear that Hashem spoke to Moshe when? After Parshas Emer. So to try and explain it like the Ramban does, that Hashem spoke to Moshe much earlier, and Moshe only tells the words now, certainly doesn't seem to be comfortable in the Pshat. Besides, it's very difficult to imagine that Moshe would have delayed so long before telling them a mitzvah he had already been given, even though you would argue it's only going to be relevant when they cross into the land of Israel. Still, to suggest that Moshe would have delayed giving a, an instruction to the Jewish people so long cannot be. Because the Because because we already know from Pasha's Beshalach that when the Yidden came to ask, you know, what's going on, it's a Friday, suddenly they got double mon. And then Rashi says that Moshe was criticized because he hadn't yet told them the details of Shabbos and how the mon was going to operate on Shabbos and the halachas of Shabbos. And now you could say that that was relevant at that exact moment, whereas this is only going to be relevant once they cross in Territory Israel. But there we see clearly that Hashem was critical of Moshe and even punished Moshe for delaying giving an instruction. So it's highly unlikely that he would have done it again that he would have again delayed giving them an instruction. So we're back to square one. Why is this stated, Bahar Sinai, totally out of context with everything that we have learned before that Hashem communicates to Moshe Ba'oyal Moed ever since the Mishkan was put up? Unless, of course, Bahar Sinai is not just to be referred to as being on the mountain. So the first thing Rashi wants to tell us is this parasha appears in the correct place chronologically. After the story of the fellow who had cursed Hashem, a horrible story, that's what happened. Now, how then could it say that this happened at Har Sinai? They're a long way away from Hashem speaking through Har Sinai. It's to remind us that the Yidin was still camped in the proximity of Har Sinai. So Behar Sinai does not mean as you thought that Hashem spoke these words to Moshe while he was on the mountain. Rather it means Behar Sinai in the proximity in the region of Har Sinai. They hadn't yet moved on. Before they continued their, their process of travel, from Midbar Sinai, which we're only going to get in the next Chumash, in Chumash Bamidbar. Now here's the critical Chiddush of Rashi in this context. Therefore, in spite of the fact that where Hashem spoke to Moshe was in fact through the oil Moed, it's still called Bahar Sinai. Because they were still in the region of Harsinai. In fact, the desert there is called the Sinai Desert for this reason. 
And a Shemachas is a Chidush Lem Shasinai Koya Loyal Moit, Kidun Shadover Hoya Bechanias Mit Barsina Negadohar. Now you'll say, What? How can you possibly say Har Sinai actually means next to instead of on the mountain? To help to clarify that, Rashi quotes the Torah's Kohanim. But Rashi's main point to illustrate is Behar Sinai, those are the words that bother him. That's why those are the only words in his Dibra Maschil. And he explains Behar Sinai means an area. So, how does the Torah's Kohanim help? That's why Rashi had to explain to us my reading of the Torah's Kohanim is as follows, because as we're about to discover, that cements the principle that Behar Sinai over here actually means the Sinai Desert. So let's go back and have a look at the Torah's Kohanim and see how it helps Rashi. What we do know from the Torah's Kohanim is that from the fact that the Torah is specified by Sinai over here with regards to Shemitah, we now know that every detail of every single mitzvah was conveyed by Sinai. As we've already learned at the beginning of the Sicha, the words Bahar Sinai with regards to Shemitah are not a Chiddush because we already know that every detail of Shemitah was given at Bahar Sinai. Look, it was never repeated later. So, As we already learned earlier, the Torah shows us that because the words Bahar Sinai are irrelevant to Shemitah itself, because we already know that every detail of Shemitah was given Bahar Sinai, so therefore we extrapolate it out and say it's actually referring to all mitzvahs. So how are we so clear about the fact that all of the details of Shemitah were in fact given there at Bahar Sinai? How do we know? I mean, Rashi said it as if, as if it's obvious. Yes, we do see that it was not repeated later, but how do we know? Well, that will depend on how you understand the words Har Sinai. If we understand the words Bahar Sinai literally to mean on the mountain, well, then you're right. Then Bahar Sinai is a chiddush to tell us that unlike every other mitzvah where the details were given, at least according to the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel, here Shemitah is unusual and every detail was given Bahar Sinai while Moshe was still on the mountain. Because, of course, just the fact that it wasn't repeated does not exclude the possibility that it was taught So if we understand literally to mean that the details were given on Har Sinai, then we're saying that that is a chiddush about Shemitah that does not necessarily apply to every other mitzvah where every detail was given on the mountain and not in Oyel Moyed. According to that opinion, obviously, if we're using the words Bahar Sinai to tell us details that we have to know about Shemitah, obviously we can't use it to tell us details about other mitzvahs. So the fact that the Torah's Kohanim is satisfied to say that from Shemitah we learn that every other mitzvah was given at Har Sinai, Obviously, the Torah's Kohanim accepts that Har Sinai does not mean on the mountain, but around the mountain. In other words, we, we're not dividing over here between 
on the mountain or through Ohel Moed, we're dividing over here between mitzvahs that were taught while the Jews were still camped at Sinai, compared to mitzvahs that were perhaps only taught by Arvois Moyav. So Rashi needs the Torah's Kohanim to get us to the point where you realize that Bahar Sinai is not literal. That's why it's not specific for Shemitah. That's why it can be used for other, all other mitzvahs, implying that all other mitzvahs were told while they were camped around Bahar Sinai. That's how Rashi knows what Bahar Sinai means. Now, what we're saying over here now is that the words Bahar Sinai could refer to mitzvahs that were told on Har Sinai, or it could refer to mitzvahs that were told in the Oihel Moed while there were Bahar Sinai. And the the emphasis is because we see that these mitzvahs are not, the details of Shemitah are not repeated later in Chumash Devarim. So they had to have been told in this period when the Jews were still at Har Sinai. So now that we know that we have to conclude that the details of Shemitah were not repeated later in Arbas Moyev, so they had to be told Behar Sinai. But it's clear from the Torah's Kehanim that Behar Sinai could mean the entire area around Har Sinai. We can extrapolate that to every other mitzvah and say every mitzvah was given with all of its details according to the Pshat. Every mitzvah was given with all of its details while the Jews were still camped around Har Sinai. And that would satisfy either Rabbi or so if I went to Rabbi Akiva, Bahar Sinai would mean literally everything was told on the mountain, every single detail of every single mitzvah. And if I go with Rabbi Shmuel, every single detail was spelled out in oil moed while the Jewish people were still in the proximity of Har Sinai. So it's still called Bahar Sinai. That's where Rashi wants to get us to. That the words Bahar Sinai mean in the area of Har Sinai, every single detail of every single mitzvah was given at that point in Jewish history. Now we have a question. Okay, so fine. Now you've expanded the, the interpretation of Bahar Sinai in this pasuk to mean the entire area around the mountain. So if that's the case, Okay, so big deal. Now it's not such a surprise. When we thought that every detail of every mitzvah was told on the mountain, that was a chiddush. Now that you're telling me that every detail of every mitzvah was in fact communicated through oil moyed, that's not such a chiddush. So what are you trying to exclude over here? What are you trying to tell me that I need to know very clearly is not included or, or you know is, is somehow being clarified? What? So Rashi. That's what Rashi goes on to say in his explanation that we want to exclude that there are no details of mitzvahs that were only introduced for the first time by Arvos Moyav. There are mitzvahs that we encounter for the first time in Arvos Moyav. So because that's where we encounter those mitzvahs, maybe you and I would think, oh, these mitzvahs were not told while the Yidin were camped at Har Sinai. They were only told by Rav before they entered Eretz Yisrael. So, And therefore, Rashi is making it clear to us that 
those mitzvahs which appear in the Torah in our voice Moyav, it's not the first time. They're being repeated. So maybe you were not yet aware of the fact that they had been told while the Jews were still camped at Har Sinai. Rashi wants you to know that they had already been told then even if the Torah only spells them out in Chumash Devarim. And this is why Rashi says, it appears to me that this is the explanation. Meaning, So we said already that Rashi wants to obviously exclude another interpretation of the Torah's Kahanim, namely that there are details that were given for the first time at Har Sinai and not at Oyel Moed. So there might be other interpretations who want to understand the Torah's Kehanim as saying Behar Sinai means Behar Sinai to the exclusion of Oyel Moed, that there were no details given at Oyel Moed, says Rashi, Rashi no. The Pshat is that everything was given in the proximity of Har Sinai, including mitzvahs that were taught for the first time in Oyel Moed, at least the details for the first time at Oyel Moed, and our exclusion is Arvois Moyav. No details were introduced for the first time in Arvois Moyav. Now this is going to help us just to understand some of the nuances in the language of Rashi. Now we can go back to those nuanced language things that we picked up in Rashi. Why he changes from Har Sinai to just Sinai. And why he uses the words Nid Moshe. Why Rashi started off speaking about Bahar Sinai and then through most of his period only used the word Sinai. Rashi wants us to know that according to Pshat, we're emphasizing the region of Sinai as opposed to the actual mountain. Whether that means literally everything was told on the mountain, Rabbi Akiva's opinion, or whether it means that the details were given in Oyel Moed, Rabbi Shmuel's opinion, but we want to emphasize that it's still while they're at the foot of Har Sinai. Of course, Rashi, like the Torah's Kahanim, initially uses the words Har Sinai because those are the words he's explaining in the Pasuk. We wondered why it is that Rashi specifies that all the instructions that were told to Moshe, why does he need that language? What does Rashi want to distinguish between instructions that were given on Har Sinai and at Oil Moed around Har Sinai compared to instructions that were given to Moshe alone by Arvo Ismayav? In other words, that's exactly the distinction that Rashi wants to draw. The mitzvahs that are recorded here, those are mitzvahs that Hashem had conveyed to Moshe to tell the Yidden. All of the details of all of those mitzvahs were conveyed while they were still in the region of Har Sinai. The things that Moshe is going to tell the Yidden, are not included in this particular uh, reference. 
Now, what we've discovered over here is we originally thought that the whole purpose of Rashi was to indicate that the Torah's Kohanim is telling us Rabbi Akiva is correct. Rabbi Shmuel's opinion does not fit the Pshat. Now we're seeing that even Rabbi Shmuel does fit the Pshat because when Rabbi Shmuel says that the details were shared in Oyel Moyed, that actually means while they were still Behar Sinai in the Har Sinai region. And that's what Rashi Dafka says, It appears to me that this is the explanation. The Gemara in Sanhedrin goes to the thing where it tells us that uh, different types of medrash, if they don't have a name associated with a particular saying, we know which rabbi it is. And then it says, generally speaking, all of the midrashim follow the teachings of Rabbi Akiva. So then, if that's the case, how could you argue that the Torah's Kohanim should follow Rabbi Yishmoel's opinion, generally midrashim follow Rabbi Akiva? That's why Rashi had to say, this is how it is taught in Torah's Kohanim, and I will explain how I understand what the Torah's Kohanim is saying. The Torah's Kohanim definitely takes Rabbi Akiva's opinion, for sure, because that's generally what Midrashim do. However, Rashi wants us to understand that it is possible outside of the parameters of the Torah's Kahanim in the Pshat of the Pasuk to suit the Pshat also to the, according, to the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel. So now, uh, the fact that Rashi actually now seems to be talking more the language of Rabbi Shmuel, even than the language of Rabbi Akiva, and that's why he's not using the word Bahar Sinai so many, you know, most of the times in his parish, which actually seems to endorse Rabbi Shmuel more than it endorses Rabbi Akiva. The reason is because if he had said Bahar Sinai, which obviously would be more Rabbi Akiva's opinion, it wouldn't be as close to the Pshat as the way he's saying it now in the language of Rabbi Yishmoel. Why would it be closer to the Pshat to say it in the language of Rabbi Yishmoel that we're talking about the region of Har Sinai? So number one, Aleph. According to Pshat, the most logical thing is, where did Hashem give mitzvahs to the Yidden? Where the Torah says He did. Now, seeing as the Torah doesn't tell us explicitly that the details of mitzvahs were also given at Har Sinai, we need to find something in the Pshat that indicates this point. So because it's not clear, the Torah is not telling us explicitly that every single detail of every single mitzvah was told at Har Sinai, that's why Rashi highlights the fact that, look, what was repeated in Arvas Moyab was repeated, not introduced. Parenthetically, over here, the Rebbe quickly tackles a question uh, in Sota that Tosfus asks, where Tosfus says, 
So Bekiva's view over there recorded in, 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 in Sota is that all of the details of the mitzvahs were given on the mountain and repeated again in Oyomoyed and repeated a third time in Arvos Moyav. As opposed to Rabbi Shmuel who says that the details were given in the Oyel Moyed. So Frektoisus, Mimtoima, Maisrech Lemeshlisha Davis Moyav, Hola Ay Rabbi Shmuel, Barbas Moyav Klau? Toisvus says, Why is, is, is Rabbi Akiva addressing what was discussed in Arvois Moyav? Usually, when you debate with somebody, you only address the points that they had raised, and Rabbi Shmuel hadn't raised Arvois Moyav. And then over Tarot's Batosvus, which I'm safe and knock out Lachule, Toisvus gives an, uh, an explanation because of how the argument's going to play out later on in the Gemara. And, and that's why it, ha- you know, it had to give this detail. But Rashi sidesteps the whole question in the first place. The way Rashi sees it, what was discussed in Arvos Moyav is directly relevant to the debate between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel. Because because Rabbi Shmuel says, look, I get it. It doesn't say clearly in the Torah that the details were were told at Har Sinai. So it also doesn't say clearly that the details were told in Arvos Moyav. Therefore, I have to conclude that the details were told Be'oyhel Moyed. Why? Because that's where all communication happens. Now, he has an interesting point. That the truth is, Shemitah was already introduced even before the Mishkan was introduced. Because Shemitah we hear about for the first time in Parashat Mishpatim. There already, already talks about using your fields for six years and letting them rest on the seventh. So now look at what happens. The Torah already told us about Shemitah before there was a Mishkan. And our parasha is obviously where there is a Mishkan. That leans more in the direction of Rabbi Yishmoel. So the general mitzvah was already introduced in Parshas Mishpatim, which is still kind of Bahar Sinai. And the protim were given here, look, so that's why Rashi leans more in the direction of speaking the language of Rabbi Shmuel, even though the Medrash Teres Kahanim, which he bases his pirush on, goes more with the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Again, Rashi's pirush could work both according to Rabbi Akiva and according to Rabbi Shmuel, but he uses language that is more aligned to Rabbi Shmuel because it fits better with the pshat. So now that we have shown that as far as pshat is concerned, Rabbi Yishmoel's opinion fits more with the pshat, which is Rashi's objective, but if we were looking through the lens of halacha, Rabbi Akiva would be the one we would follow, because because we have a general rule which says if Rabbi Akiva has a, a, a disagreement with another colleague of his, we take Rabbi Akiva's view, lehalocha. Now to understand that, this why Alpi Pshat we're going with Rabbi Yishmol and Alpi Halacha we're going with Rabbi Akiva, let's look at the spiritual component of their two arguments, which will be very deeply related to what kind of people they were. Rabbi Shmuel is one kind of a Jew, Rabbi Akiva is another kind of a Jew, and therefore they develop the respective approaches to Yiddishkeit that would suit those kinds of Jews. Let's understand the, the deeper meaning behind their debate. Generally, when there's a machloikas, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Akiva, it's along these lines. Rabbi Shmuel was a Kohen Gadol, and just like the Kohen Gadol is head and shoulders above the rest of the community, he represents the Avoida of Tzadikim. 
Rabbi Akiva, as we know, came from a family of Geirim, and so therefore his mode of Avodah Sashem is more aligned to the Balchava. Gam just has a, a detail of Rabbi Akiva's life that reflects this point very clearly, and we'll use that detail actually to explain the distinction between the, the respective approaches of Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva. When Rabbi Kiva was being murdered by the Romans, he said, my whole life I was pained by the question of when will I ever be able to dedicate myself with Messias Nefesh to Hashem. So, which indicates that his entire life was focused on an, an a headspace of Messias Nefesh. Not only when he re- read the words Bechol Nafshecha in Shema, but Kol Yomai. That was the thrust of his entire life. If you're serving Hashem as a Tzaddik, you do have to have Messias Nefesh at the time of Krishma, but that's it. The rest of the day is a very strategic, methodical way of serving Hashem. So, yes, you have to feel the glow, the afterglow of the commitment of Messias Nefesh as a tzaddik throughout everything that you do all day, but the way you serve Hashem is in an orderly fashion. But if a person is serving Hashem through the mode of tshuva, which is beyond all restrictions and all order, and all rules. So, person whose life is about tshuva is in a lifestyle of Messias Nefesh all the time. When learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, even doing things which are not Torah mitzvahs per se, but everything is totally filled with this, this drive of Messias Nefesh. And that's what he's saying over here, Rabbi Kiv. He says, my whole life was focused on this attitude of Messias Nefesh. So, what is Avodah Rabbi Akiva? Overwhelming Messias Nefesh. What is Avodah Rabbi Shmuel? Seder Bahadraga, an orderly fashion of serving Hashem. Tzadik versus Balchava. And that explains the basis of how they see these halachas, well, this history of the unfolding of the halachas completely differently. According to Rabbi Shmuel, there's a Seder. First, you get the general principles at Har Sinai, and later, you get the details in Oil Moed. According to Rabbi Kiva, everything has to be in the world of Har Sinai. So, what's the difference between the world of Har Sinai and the world of Oil Moed? Oil Moed is a place where things are regimented. There were different areas that had boundaries, who could go where. Different components. The actual layout of the Mishkan was a reflection of Seide Shtalshus, as the Ramo explains. All of that represents Avoidas Hashem, because obviously the, the oil moid, the Mishkan, is a place of Avoidas Hashem in an orderly, logical fashion. Ah, you're going to say, yes, but the, the Mishkan also had this supernatural service of Keteris, which is reserved specifically for the Kohen God. There was Keteris during the week also, but on, especially on Yom Kippur when it was done in the Kedosh HaKadoshim, which is the concept, surely, of Messias Nefesh Keteris from the word Kesher, this incredible dedication, connection to Hashem. 
אבל הוי זה א', אחס בשונה, בדוגמס אחס ביומא, מסיס נפש בשס קרישמה. First of all, this supernatural beyond all rules service of Hashem, Achas Bashona, like Shema is once a day, this was once a year. Obeis, Raka King God, There was also a Seder over there who could participate in the Keteris in the Kedush HaKadoshim. Only the King God. Of course, the Kohen Gadol didn't go there as a private citizen. He went as our representative and as our shliach. It's as if we were all there. Okay. But still, there is a seder to it. But what is Sinai? It's a desert. A place that doesn't have the infrastructure of a normal environment suited to human habitat. For which reason, the concept of a desert represents Messias Nefesh. You strip yourself of all the things that you need, and you just do what Hashem wants, with absolute dedication and no concern for any steps, order, expectations. You just do it with absolute power and turbo. That's why when the Torah was given by Midbar Sinai, Bahar Sinai, Every instruction that was given blew their neshamas out of their bodies. Okay, we get it. The first two, we understand why it would blow people away. Because these are concepts of giving your life for Hashem. Rather die than transgress these particular things. But the rest of our series, which are actually quite, quite rational, Honor your parents, don't steal, don't murder. Avoidah shal pitam adas, completely logical seder avoidah. Ma lohen ulin yotzon ishmosen, why on earth would the neshamas fly out of their bodies? That's our sinah. Avozen yonashal sinah midbar dikdusha, mokim shalemayinim yisaydav adroga. That's what it means to be in the environment of Sinai, a place of midbar dikdusha, where you completely lose anything that is of value to you in favor of what Hashem wants. Therefore, the message is that every communication that came from Har Sinai elicited absolute mysterious nefesh, even if the communication was to do something completely rational. Exactly, everything, every day, every moment of his life is completely focused on mysterious nefesh. And therein lies the debate between Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Shmuel looks from the perspective of a tzaddik. He says it's good enough if we have klolim that come from Har Sinai. Like you have a Shema you throw once a day, we have Messias Nefesh. That's the klal. And then you get on with the details. So the klalus concept of mitzvahs or the klal of each individual mitzvah has to sit on the bedrock of Messias Nefesh. But when it comes to actually doing the mitzvah, don't go wild, don't be a meshugana, have a seder, avoid a satzadikim. You are definitely driven by Messias Nefesh, but you put it into practice in a very orderly way.
But Rabbi Akiva comes from the perspective of Tshuva. He says differently. Number one, he's still living in the world. So he has, unlike the Tzadik, elements of his world that he still has to convert. He's Ben Geirim. is in the process of converting Kripa to Kedusha. For that, you need Mesiris Nefesh. Because otherwise, who says you'll have the upper hand? What if you're uh, all, uh, you know, logical and rational about it? Well, maybe the logic and the rationality of the rest of the world will overwhelm you. And also, so on the one hand, he needs the Messias Nefesh, and on the other hand, because he's driven by Tshuva, he can invest Messias Nefesh into every single thing that he does. Now we get it. Now we get why Rashi goes primarily with a view of Rabbi Yishmol, because that's the Pshat. Whereas Rabbi Akiva is the Halacha. What's the difference between Pshat and Halacha? If I'm looking at Pshat, Matan Torah, which speaks to the majority of people, so to speak, simple individuals, we need the klolos. We just need the underpinning of Messias Nefesh, and then we should work through the rest of our avoida step by step. But when you talk about Aloha, which is you're engaging the world. If you're living in Sinai, if you're living in a spiritual place, you can have Sinai, and everything else will be fine. But if it's Alichos Oilom, if you're stepping out into the world, in Israel, the minute you have an interaction with the physical world outside over there, especially during the period of Golos, where the Gashmas of the world can be a real impediment and blockage to Kedusha, then you need a lot of energy and power and Messias Nefesh, the concept of Tshuva. Then we follow the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Then we need to have Messias Nefesh all of the time. So Rabbi Shmuel speaking about a beautiful, perfect world. Rabbi Akiva speaking about the reality of our lives. Rashi gives the Pshat. The Pshat is, this is what the Torah says. The Torah says that you need an underpinning of Messias Nefesh, and then you can serve Hashem B'Seidav Adraga. Rabbi Akiva says, the Halacha Lomaisa, how it turns out in the real experience of day-to-day life. We need Messias Nefesh. And when we go, and we have absolute Messias Nefesh, then with Hashem Hashem responds in kind, the Maila Mitam Vadas and brings us the Gula Shlema, take it from Yad Mamash.